You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Right now, though, as promised, on the guest line, Mike Florio, one of the best in the business from Pro Football Talk, joins us here this morning. Mike, it's Andrew Bogish, as always. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Glad to be with you, Andrew. How are you today? Mike, I'm doing really well. I'll probably be the 1,000th person to ask you this, but when do you think we will get an appeal ruling on Deshaun Watson? My guess would be this week, and that guess is informed by the fact that Judge Robinson had the written materials from the parties for 20 days before she issued her decision that came out last Monday, and there was no requirement by way of timeline, timetable, or any type of suggestion as to how fast she should move. At this level, the requirement is that the appeal be expedited, and Peter Harvey, who will handle the appeal, the designee of the commissioner, has all the materials. He's had them since Friday, and... I suspect that it'll be far less than 20 days. I think it'll be this week, and it could really come at any time. The one wrinkle I'll throw in is this. I don't see any requirement in the personal conduct policy or the collective bargaining agreement that there be a hearing on appeal. There's obviously no new evidence. It would just be for the two sides to argue verbally directly to Peter Harvey. I think there's a chance the NFL Players Association asked for some sort of an ability to make a verbal presentation. I don't know that. There was some talk they were going to do that. So that could slow things down if they have to schedule a hearing and then the decision will come at some point after that. Mike, do you think that Roger Goodell and NFL headquarters knows, quote-unquote, the way Peter Harvey is going to rule whenever he does? Yes. I think Peter Harvey is going to do exactly what the commissioner wants him to do. And – I said the other day that's kind of cynical, but it's not even cynical. It's obvious. Peter Harvey isn't employed by the league, but he has an affiliation with the league. And he markets that affiliation near the top of his online biography for the page that they use for his law firm practice. And it's no different than what doctors do. You get a deal with the local team. You provide health services to the local team. And people in the community think, well, the local NFL team is using these doctors. They must know what they're doing. And I think the same thing applies with lawyers, whether you're Judge Sue Robinson, who's gotten plenty of free advertising in recent weeks for her involvement with the NFL and the NFL Players Association as the disciplinary officer, or Peter Harvey, who who markets the fact that he works closely with the NFL. He helped develop the current version of the personal conduct policy. I made the point over the weekend at PFT This is kind of like having as the judge in a case involving the interpretation of a federal law, one of the senators who sponsored that bill before it became a law. So we're getting from one of the guys who created this thing the interpretation of what kind of punishment is appropriate, and I think it's going to be exactly the punishment that Roger Goodell slash the NFL wants. And That's what makes me think there's a good chance it's going to be a year because we know the NFL has been asking for a full year at every step of this process. So just so I understand this, and this might be a dumb question. If it is, I apologize. But 
is the NFL allowed to say to Peter Harvey, we're picking you, go give him a year, or are they supposed to pretend that he's impartial and he might come up with something that they don't like? They'll pretend that he's impartial and that he might come up with something that the league doesn't like. And I'll give you an example. Ten years ago, under a lot of pressure from the court system and the media, Roger Goodell handed off his exclusive ability to determine the bounty gate suspensions for the Saints players to his predecessor, Paul Tagliabue. And that blew up in Goodell's face because Tagliabue said, hey, this isn't the way you go about changing a culture in the NFL. You don't find one team and, and suspend half a dozen players or however many there were. You tell everybody it all changes from this point forward. And Goodell didn't like that. He didn't like that one bit. By designating Peter Harvey, that's as close to Goodell designating himself as he could get, short of designating Jeff Pash, the league's general counsel, or somebody who's actually on the payroll. This is as close as it gets. And there's a subtle way that they'll make it known. The league says that Peter Harvey, for example, wasn't involved in any of the internal discussions regarding Deshaun Watson before it came to this. Look, I just choose not to believe that. (laughs) I suspect that they've gotten input of everybody whose fingerprints have been on this personal conduct policy. Why wouldn't you talk to Peter Harvey? Why wouldn't he chime in? And at this point, why wouldn't his decision be a reflection of the institutional position that Deshaun Watson committed sexual assault and should be suspended for a full year? So let's assume he says sometime this week Deshaun Watson suspended one season. What does the union do in response to that? Well, the union has already leaked to multiple members of the media that the league will or the union will pursue litigation in federal court. I think that that is a very steep uphill climb. I think it's tougher than it used to be. Think of it this way. Judges don't like to get involved when private parties have come up with their own mechanisms for resolving disputes. And after Ezekiel Elliott, after Tom Brady, after all the fights that happened in the past decade, the league and the union come together and they make changes to the personal conduct policy. They put an independent party in the middle to determine the facts that become binding on the appeal and also then to make the preliminary decision as to what the suspension or other punishment will be based on those facts. But the two sides agreed that the commissioner or his designee will have final and binding and exclusive ability to determine the appeal once we accept that the facts are final and binding. The league and the union agreed to that. And you've got a revised process. It's in the aftermath of all these fights. It's going to be harder, I think, for the union to convince a court to get involved. And the NFL, and I don't want to get too technical here, but there could be a race to the courthouse because where you file this case could be a major impact on whether or not you have any chance of success. Well, the NFL is holding the starter's pistol in the race to the courthouse. It knows when the decision is coming. It sends someone down to the federal courthouse in Manhattan and has that person ready to file what's called a declaratory judgment action. So the NFL gets a ruling that it was a proper exercise of its power. That is a very favorable forum for the NFL based on the Brady and Elliott cases. It's just going to be very hard for the union to win. And one point that is important to remember here, because I've seen a lot of people asking this question. I've seen some people in the media giving what I think is an incorrect answer. If there is any luck in court, and if there is what's called a preliminary injunction that delays this suspension from happening until the litigation ends, it's not a week one issue. It's a week seven issue. The first six weeks are gone. They're done. The NFLPA didn't appeal that six-game suspension. The NFL is only appealing 
that it be extended. The NFL is not challenging the six-game suspension. So there are people who think, well, there's a way maybe he plays week one. I'd be beyond stunned if there's any way these dominoes fall and he plays the first six weeks of the season because the union didn't appeal that finding from last week. Mike, any sense that these two sides have talked settlement since the appeal was filed, or is the NFL having all the power now just saying, you know, we're going to sit and wait and see what Peter Harvey says? I got the impression that that ship has sailed. There was talk of maybe the NFL having a willingness to do 12 games, and 12 just kind of feels right now. Whether it would be settlement or whether it would be a number that would maybe cause the NFLPA not to take this to court. But I don't think the NFL cares if it goes to court. I mean, Robert Kraft may care because then he gets dragged into this as they compare the punishment of owners to the punishment of players. And that was one of the points that was made, I think, effectively before Judge Robinson, although it wasn't anything more than a footnote in her in her final ruling because she found six games for other reasons. I, I just don't know why the NFL would would do anything other than what it wants to do at this point. But 12 would make sense. And another thing to keep in mind is this. Deshaun Watson didn't play last year because of this off-field issue. There are people who say, well, if he didn't want to play for the Texans, and the Texans didn't want to play for him. They would have traded him to the Dolphins if we didn't have this off-field issue. The Dolphins were going to trade for him if he had settled his 22 cases. He was ready to settle 18. There were four holdouts, and the trade didn't happen. He would have played last year. Or the NFL would have been forced to put him on the commissioner exempt list. I say that because... They could treat last year as kind of a suspension after the fact, and maybe you do 12 games and he gives back the $10 million he made last year, and he gets to play some this year, and it's a very strict and stern punishment. He loses $10 million from last year, and he misses 12 games this year. And, and to me, you know, maybe, maybe that's what Peter Harvey ultimately does. Maybe he suspends him 12 games, and he takes away the $10 million he made last year, and everybody goes forward in, in the 13th game of the season. This is Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, with us on Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, a different Browns question. Did Kareem Hunt really think he could get himself a new contract over the weekend? Look, I'm a firm believer in players always trying to get more. There is so yeah. much money in the sport right now, but you got to pick your shot. You can't be a guy who's two or three on the depth chart at running back and take a stand out of the blue just decide on a Saturday during camp, you know what, I'm not going to participate in team drills. There's a way to go about doing it. There's a way to go about making your point, whether you hold out, whether you hold in from the moment you show up. And the Browns called his bluff. The Browns aren't going to trade him. The Browns reportedly fined him for staying out of team drills. And he backed off. He was back in team drills by Sunday. So, I think he realizes that wasn't the way to go about it. I feel bad for him, though. You can say he's got a two-year, $12 million contract, but he's got $200,000 this year per game tied to his ability to be in uniform. Last year he missed nine games. It was 135000 per game in roster bonuses. That's a lot of money that he lost by missing nine games last year. And my, my guess is, at a minimum, he'd like to have – that 200000 per game for 17 games, that's $3.4 million. I think he'd probably like to have that baked into his salary. And then you go out, you have a big year, and you become a free agent next year. But, you know, he, he's, he doesn't have much of a base salary, and he's trying to do what he can to enhance it. And it's hard to blame him for that. He's just not the guy to, to do what he did. If Nick Chubb does it, it gets their attention. Right. If Kareem Hunt does it, it really doesn't get anybody's attention.
Mike, when the Browns still had Baker Mayfield, I said, and others did, like that they had to trade him. It made no sense to keep him around. Things were just broken. Even though they could need a quarterback, they had to get rid of him. I don't have that same feeling about Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners. Am I reading that wrong? And if I'm not, how long can they actually keep him around to wait for some kind of good move, good trade? Wait, I think you're right. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is wired in a way that that he can deal with this limbo that he's currently in. I don't know that Mayfield would have been able to deal with it. Mayfield could have said, look, I'm just going to stay here. I got $18.8 million, and it's actually 19.9 when you throw in the 17th check. Instead, he takes it over $4 million less so he can earn $3.3 million of it back in incentives to go to Carolina to have a chance to play. There's no guarantee he's even going to play or, or start. Sam Darnold may win that competition. Who knows? But in San Francisco, everybody's getting along. Everybody understands what's happening. And what's happening is very simple. The 49ers and Garoppolo are waiting for lightning to strike somewhere and knock out a team's starting quarterback for the season. Because if that happens, 49ers get real trade value and Garoppolo gets a lot closer to his $25 million. If you have a team that's suddenly desperate like the Vikings were six years ago when Teddy Bridgewater tore up his knee in practice in late August, all of a sudden you've got a market. And I think this lasts until – some people think it lasts until the cuts down to 53 on August 30. There's a chance they carry him on the 53-man roster and hold him until the very moment that the roster's lock. And for week one, if you're on the roster and if you're a vested veteran with four or more years of service, your non-guaranteed salary becomes fully guaranteed. And uh, I think that moment, right before he gets his $24.2 million salary, as a practical matter, fully guaranteed, that's when the 49ers cut him and he becomes free and clear to sign with anyone. And until then... Both sides are just hoping. And, you know, it feels weird to say, well, we're hoping for somebody to tear an ACL. But we know it happens, and it would be the right solution, the perfect solution for the 49ers and Garoppolo if that happens. And you know what? I I hate to say this because I hate to be accused of jinxing anyone, but while he's still on the roster, Trey Lance is the guy it could happen to. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo is the 49ers quarterback again for 2022. Mike, last question. Uh, one of the newest posts at Pro Football Talk is about the NFL wanting an emphasis from the referees this year on illegal contact. This seems like a pending disaster with too many penalties. Am I, am I overreacting to this news, or am I right on here? No, you're not overreacting at all. And there have been teams in the not-too-distant past like the Seahawks who basically dared the officials to call it. They just did it all the time, and they know that the officials aren't going to bog the game down by throwing flag after flag after flag, and now the NFL wants more flags. And they're doing some things, too, with what is and isn't interference down the field, which is very confusing. If you see the plays and you hear the NFL's interpretation, it, it's, it's got the potential. You know, pass interference has been a real problem in recent years. It's got the potential to be a mess this year, and I sure hope it isn't because those are just the things that get people rightfully bent out of shape over things that, that – affect the game that that when we watch it at home we see it and we're like eh, it just doesn't feel right to us mike as always great information thanks for the time we appreciate it all right thanks andrew you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.